We begin a summer series out of the book of Psalms. We'll be considering things from the book of Psalms for the summer time. <clears throat> We're in Psalm number 90 today. Psalm number 90 for our text today. <clears throat> Psalm number 90. When I was a small boy, my mother had a certain way of disciplining me. She threatened me with a wooden spoon. And when I misbehaved, she'd say, stop it now or I'll get the wooden spoon. Or occasionally, uh, she would jump up and open the kitchen drawer and actually pull the spoon out and hold it up and say, I've got the wooden spoon. Which was really a change. Because she expected you, as you got a little older, to know why she pulled out the wooden spoon. So in the beginning it was, you're doing wrong, you're going to be punished if you don't stop. But later on it was, I got the wooden spoon, you best figure out for yourself what you did wrong. You see, she expected us to know right from wrong as we got older. Then came the teenage years. Mom no longer used the wooden spoon. She had a much more effective method of discipline. I had a brother who was five years older than me. He used to pound me regularly for years. And eventually I got to be the same size as he was. And so one day I decided to fight back. So I tackled him. He grabbed me by the neck, so I grabbed him by the back of his neck. And I squeezed with all my might. And there we were, lying on the floor, each with a death grip on each other's neck. And then Mom came into the room, and she stopped. She looked at us down there on the floor with, with a look of disdain. And she said, one of you will have to let go first. And then she walked away. We both realized that what she was saying was the smartest one of you two will let go first. And your behavior is foolish. So who will be the smartest one? We both let go at the same time because <laughs> neither one of us wanted to be called foolish. <laughs> I remember another time when mom and I, we went out and got in the car. We were going to go to town and the car wouldn't start. One of mom's friends had offered to take us to town if we ever needed a lift. So I decided to give my opinion. I said to mom, you know, you could call this friend of yours. And she promised to take us to town. So why don't you just call her up and get a ride so you can go to town. And I went on and on. And when I stopped, mom looked at me and she said, are you finished? That's all. Once again, she made me feel foolish. And that me vehemently expressing my opinion was not going to change her mind. She hadn't asked for my opinion. She didn't need my advice. So it was foolish to express my opinion. That's very often true of opinions, isn't it? Mom was trying to get across to me that foolish behavior reflected back on my character and she often put it this way. I can't tell you how many times she said this. You are old enough to know better. Yeah, you've heard that before. <laughs> and much better to make wise, thoughtful choices. 
we find similar advice in our text today. Our text, which is Psalm 90, is considered to be the best of the best. It is, of course, from the Jewish hymn book. And like all the Psalms are, but its words, I suppose, are really poetry. And unlike most of the Psalms that were written by David, this is written by Moses. Now, I always thought that when David got up to heaven, he would be the song leader up there, uh, ultimately qualified to lead the singing in heaven. But strangely enough, the book of Revelation says that when we get to heaven, we will sing the song of Moses and the Lamb. So I gather from that that Moses comes in first as the best songwriter and song leader. And this Psalm 90, I think, is the reason for that. It is an assessment of life. It is often read at funerals and memorial services because at those services we usually stop and assess a person's life. Unfortunately, for the person who has passed on, it's too late to change. So the proper use of this psalm is to assess life for people like you and me so we can make wise decisions, change what needs to be changed, So we can go on to our graves with confidence knowing that life, we did our best. It starts where all good advice starts, where every good piece of poetry should start. It starts with God. Psalm number 90 and verse number 1. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. In this world and in the other world, there is one thing that doesn't change. There is one stable thing, one thing that remains the same. Before the world was created, God was God. And after the world was created, God was God. And when the world comes to an end, God will still be God. As the old songwriter wrote, Change and decay in all around I see. O thou who changes not, abide with me. So stability and security is only found in God if we want our lives to be stable, if we want to feel secure and safe. We need to start with God to leave God out of our lives and to invite into our lives upheaval and uncertainty and make us go down a road full of potholes and twists and winds and wrong turns. If you long for stability and a feeling of security in life, make God your number one priority. Now, Moses says something about God that's very interesting. He said, God is our dwelling place. Now, the dwelling place of fish is in the sea. The dwelling place of birds is in the air. God's creatures, the animals, were made to dwell on the earth and they dig holes in the ground. They move among the trees and run across the plains. Animals were made to live on the earth. Angels were made to live in heaven. But man's dwelling place 
is in God. Humans were made to walk with God and talk with God and have constant contact with God. The old hymn we sing, in the garden, says, and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. So as we look at life, we long for stability and security. It's found in God. Let God be the reason for living. And you will find the purpose and meaning in your life. So start with God like Moses says here. And what then after that is life like? Verse 3. Thou turnest man to destruction and sayest, Return, ye children of men. What does it mean when God says to us, Return? What does he mean when he says return? Well, over in Ecclesiastes, that famous passage, it says this. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. That is, return, God says, where you came from. Our bodies, the Bible says, are made from the dust of the earth. The basic elements and the chemicals of our body are found right in the earth. The book of Genesis said God made Adam from the dust of the earth and he formed a body for Adam and then he breathed into that body and it became a living soul. So when God says to us, return, he means let the body go back to the earth where it came from. Let the soul return to God who gave it in the first place. So life is limited. We are here on earth until God says return. Return. And we die and this life is over. That's what he means when he says return. So naturally the question we all have is how long do we have? Verse 4. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past as a watch in the night. To God, the passing of time is of little consequence. A thousand years passing by is, to God is like one day. Think about that. If we go back a thousand years, go back a thousand years from this day, there's nobody on this whole continent except for some Indians. A thousand years ago in Europe, the Vikings were raiding the coastline of Europe. I remember that part. That's a long time ago, a thousand years. But not to God, it's like a day. So go back 6,000 or 7,000 years and you'll find Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. That is what we call the beginning of time. To God, it happened last week. 7,000 years is seven days with God. Even better, he says here, a thousand years is like a night watch. Now, a night watch was three hours long. Uh, so there was uh, from 6 a.m. to 9, or 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. was the first watch. 9 to midnight is the second watch. Midnight to 3 a.m. is the third watch, and 3 to 6 is the fourth watch. So he says a watch with three hours is like a thousand years. So to God, 4,000 years is just like one night. Just like one night. So 
What's Moses trying to say is that God doesn't consider the passing of time as being significant, but for us, it's quite different. Verse 5. Thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are as asleep. In the morning they're like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourishes, groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withered. For you and me, life, he says, first thing is like a flood. Life's waters come rushing down and carry us away like an overflowing river. We're swept away and there's no escape from it. And we're washed into the torrent until we drown in the rushing waters. That's what life is like, he says. Wow, that's quite an assessment of life, isn't it? Then he says it's like a sleep. Listen, when I lay back in my chair and fall asleep, which is quite often... (laughs) When I wake up, I got no idea how long I've been asleep. Fifteen minutes or four hours. I don't know. It's gone. Just gone. So life, like a sleep, it's gone. And then he compares us to grass. The grass grows and you get on your lawnmower and you mow it down. Where'd it go? It's gone. It's like it never existed. So our lives go by quickly like grass. Growing up in the morning, by night it's cut down and consumed and it's died. Life is short. Life is short. If that doesn't trouble you, here we go, verse 7. We're consumed by thine anger and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. All our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. In the short time we have to live, we do wrong. We make bad choices. We sin against God. So the short time we have is marred by the fact that we do so often sin against God. God, who was supposed to be our dwelling place, the one we were meant to walk with and talk with, we say to God, no, I'm going to live my life the way I want to. And we rebel. And so we live the short time we have Much of it in rebellion against God. The old Moses, he knew what he was talking about. He was born a slave in Egypt and put in a basket and floated in the river. The queen of Egypt found him and gave He grew up in the palace in Egypt. He was educated in all the ways of the Egyptians. And at 40 years old, he went out and he murdered a man and buried him in the sand. That's the first 40 years of his life. He's a murderer. And for 40 years after, he wanders as a fugitive, tending sheep in the desert, the best education that the world had, and he tends sheep. Another 40 years wasted. And then God calls him at the burning bush and he goes, leads the children of Israel out of Egypt, talks with God on the mountain, but he's got a little problem with his own temper. And so the ultimate goal was reach the promised land and God refused him entry to the promised land because he lost his temper one too many times. 
The first 40 years he's known as a murderer. The next 40 years wasted in a desert as a fugitive. The last 40 he fails to make it to the promised land because of his bad temperature, temper. And there it is. Life has gone by. So much sin. So much time wasted. And it's over. It is a clear assessment of life. Our time is short. And we waste a lot of it rebelling against the God that we ought to embrace. Verse number 10. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength and labor and sorrow, it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. Our normal lifespan, he says here, is threescore and 10. A score is 20, so three score is 60 plus 10, 70 years. The normal lifespan is 70 years. If we are strong and healthy, he says, we live to be 80, then life is over and we fly away and we face God and give an account for our lives. The God we should have been afraid of and obeyed and we should have walked with him and talked with him. We have to give an account. Will he be angry with the way we lived our life? Verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. <clears throat> I've read that by many gravesides. So let's number our days. He says count them. Keep a running tally. How much time do you have left? How many of you are coming to that magic number of 70? How many of you have reached 80 by reason of strength? So count your days and apply our hearts to wisdom. Like mom said, don't be foolish. You're old enough to know better. Time is short. It goes by quickly. We're washed away in the flood of life. So don't waste your time, he says, rebelling against God. As soon as you can, choose wise behavior. The sooner you start, the wiser you will be. Old King Solomon put it like this. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Start early. Get going before old age takes away your energy and your drive and your power to accomplish. Verse 13. Return, O Lord, how long? Let it repent thee concerning thy servants. O oh, satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou was afflicted us, and the years which we have seen evil. Before God calls you to return, he said, why don't you ask him to return? That's a perfect logical thing. Say, God, please, please return to me. 
Forgive me and come to me. Early in life, God, come to me and let me feel the mercy of God in my life and His kindness and His pleasant voice. We want to live a happy life, said Moses. So ask God to return to you. And if we've wasted time, then God, please give us back as much time as we wasted. Please, God, give us time to make things right. There, my friends, is a good assessment of what life should be. God, come to me. Let me dwell with you. Let my life be happy and stable and useful to you. So, one obvious question remains. In the assessment of life. Do you know what it is? With all this wisdom and good advice, do you know what question remains unanswered? Well, let's see what Moses said. Verse 16. Let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children. Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. Establish thou the work of our hands upon us, yea, the work of our hands. Establish thou it. In the time remaining, so that we don't waste that time that we have left, show us, God, the work you want us to do. Let thy work appear, he says. Or show us, Lord, what you want us to do so we don't waste this precious time. So people will look at us and assess our lives and say, those people have something, they're wise enough to have something, and they have done well in life. And here's the secret, Moses says, establish the work of our hands. When they bury me over in the cemetery over there, what are they going to say? He did the Lord's work? Well, prove it if he did. When God fire burns up all the useless wood, hay, and stubble of my life, what will remain? Anything substantial? Any gold, silver, or precious gems? Think what Moses did with his hands. He gave the people the law of God. He gave them the tabernacle to worship in. He gave them the Ark of the Covenant. And for hundreds of years, they worshiped God with those things. And they walked and they talked with God based on what Moses left behind on the work of his hands. Are we doing God's work? Jesus came and said, I will build my church And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That is the work of God today. That's the work of our hands. That's the thing we can do to leave something behind. We build the church. We build its message. We spread the news. Well, my friends, I want you to understand that when you've baked the 300th pie 
you're building the church. When you sat in your building for five hours without a break doing your craft, you're building the church. And when you passed over the rail, the 1500th hot dog, you're building the church. And when you sing the fifth concert in a row till you're hoarse, you're building the church. I talked with a young man who said, and I told you before, my parents and their friends went to your old-fashioned thing. They came home, and that's all they wanted to talk about all night long. Wow, he said, he Shelby is the toast of the town. I told you I met a man from Virginia this week. He must have looked on phone, whatever they do with that thing. And he said, what you do for kids is wonderful. News travels out a long ways all the way to Virginia. The church is being built. We are using our time. Yes, we get tired. And yes, it's demanding. But Moses said, establish the work of our hands. So people get a taste of what it's like to live for Jesus. We want people to know. A lady I met said to me last week, this is the ninth year we've come to your old-fashioned days. We've been nine years in a row. She said, this place has a feeling. It has a happy feeling. There's a feeling of goodness. It feels so good to be here. My friends, when you hear the call, return, and you go to meet God, you can say, we worked. We used our hands. We worked. We didn't waste our time. We pray, especially after a long season of isolation like we've just been through from COVID and depression and sadness. We pray that our work has kindled a flame in some heart that will say, what these people have, I want it. And they will find their dwelling place in God and walk with him and talk with him, as Moses said, and find mercy and happiness. So we pray with Moses, establish the work of our hands, O Lord. Establish the work of our hands. We don't waste our time because we're old enough to know better. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this psalm and its instruction and the wisdom that flows out of it. We ask you would teach us to number our days. We might apply our hearts unto wisdom. Bless us, O Lord, as we serve you and do our best for you. Ask you to bless these people as they've been here today. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Closing, I'd like you to turn to page number 475. Standing, if you sing, as we will. Page 475. Work for the night is coming when man works no more. 475. Work while the night is coming, when dear the morning eyes, work while the dew is falling.
Sunday school's over today. You're all invited to a party at my house. My daughter is doing all the work, so come. <laughs> no, she said, if you didn't plan on coming, just come. Don't worry about a present or anything like that, because if you don't eat that food, you've got to eat it for a whole week or maybe longer. <laughs> so we're inviting you just to come over and relax and spend a couple hours over at my house as we celebrate Eli's graduation. So do it for me. Come and eat. <laughs> thank you. Levi. Lord, we thank you very much for the blessings in this house here, for the things you have done on this property, and especially the things that you have done in people's hearts. We pray that you would do a mighty work in all of our hearts. Help us to be willing to see that the work that we need to do is important in building your church, teaching, preaching, and singing, and building, and, and making things, and all the things that we have done. And Lord, we gave all that we had last week, and Lord, now we pray that your Spirit would do a mighty work in the hearts of those folks, so that they might desire you more deeply. We know that you have called us to do those things, and Lord, give us new energy. Help us, Lord, as we are tired from those things to have good attitudes. Watch over us, protect us, help us within our families to continue those things and to see the bigger picture and to know that our days are numbered. We pray that we would keep something in every minute, something in store, Lord, for the future. We would put our thoughts towards what is coming in heaven when we stand before you someday and give an answer and account for what we have done in this life may you establish the work of our hands we thank you for all these things and for all of these folks give them special blessings we pray throughout this week and the rest of the summer we just ask for your guidance and your truth and your light to come to this world we pray for that and especially in our homes watch over them bring us back safely to this place I mean, we may worship you once again in your name.